0: Thank you for tuning in to episode 27 of the Keto Matrix podcast. Seriously, I can't believe we're at episode 27. I'm looking at the average listen, the average plays, and I'm just mind blown at the fact that you guys like to listen to Brittany and I talk, which is fantastic. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Please continue to rate, subscribe, and share the episodes with those people that are out there that you think the episodes resonate with. Having said that, episode 27 is definitely a fun episode. We had a lot of fun recording with a published author, Rachel Gregory, as she kind of takes us through how she became a AAU basketball player in New York until going through her transition to Miami and Virginia and being an athletic trainer and running Ketos and Titos at CrossFit in Miami and just all the different things that led her through her ketogenic journey and the way in which she has helped the community with her releasing her book and her programs that start every Monday for really getting people into a position and situation to um, get onto keto, follow a path that's simple, easy to understand and promote success. It's a great episode to listen to just to kind of relate. I will tell you this is one of the episodes where the first 10, 15, 20 minutes of this, we're just talking and having a great conversation. Um, nothing too crazy and over the top. And then we start to really get into what it was like to do the clinical hours, how the programs were put together, what Rachel's background is like, how she got into those things, why, etc. So lean into the episode, enjoy it. And again, if there's anyone specifically on this one, that's looked at Ironmans or triathlons or CrossFit or any of those things that are performance related, and is kind of trying to figure out how keto would relate to them doing that, this is a great episode to listen to. And if you just want to laugh, We definitely have some silly banter in this episode that I think is pretty enjoyable. At least it was for me. So enjoy, guys. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate the subscriptions, the rating of the five stars, and we'd love to read your reviews. Thank you so much. Lean in. Enjoy the episode. The Keto Matrix Podcast, where myths are busted, science is explained, and the keto lifestyle is discussed by industry experts and everyday people alike. For more information and support, go to theketomatrix.com. Now, let's jump into our latest episode. good evening, Brittany. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. How about yourself? I feel good. I feel really good. You know, I feel like every time I start with these episodes, I go down this rabbit hole of time frames and when we're recording. And I think one of these days, instead of us bringing the guest on before we start recording and like the the rigmarole that is our conversation prior to me actually starting the recording, I'm just going to let it Mm -hmm. free flow and then see if we either gain. Oh, that would be a bad idea because we totally already take way too much time
1: with our Roll when we do it a second time, if we did it the first time, people would spend 20 minutes not hearing anything but us just talking.
0: Strong possibility. However, what I will say is, first off, we only have five or six listeners, and the five or six that we have, they are listening to a podcast with extreme loyalty, and they're loyal to the fact that they want to listen to our rigmaro. So maybe right, if well. we give them more of what they want, because you're supposed to give the people what they want, that would be the thing that sets it over the top. They're like, "Who needs to listen to this podcast for keto? We just want to hear Britney and Neo talk." <laughs> or maybe not. So I w- I will try to figure out some. Kind a way to share some type of valuable information. I'm sure I can't do it and you can't do it. Our guest today will be able to. Um, She's got a pretty intense background and has some really cool things that are cooking. So I love that. Cool things that are cooking. Who says that? Uh, Yeah.
1: Well, The person
0: that's getting ready to make a corny joke as they're introducing a pretty cool guest. Yeah. Welcome to 2019, folks. I'm unleashed. (laughs) So either way, um, I think it's pretty cool. You know, what's funny is everyone thinks that we hand select guests and we do. We are Pretty cautious with who we have come on, right? Like this is still a family friendly show, but um, a lot of times we have guests that we recognize the heart of who they are, and we bring them on without necessarily giving them the third degree because we want to do that third degree here and in person, like Mm -hmm. for the listeners. And so I feel like this is one of those great representations of that episode. So like everyone should be hanging on the edge of their seat right now because we're going to introduce someone and then ask them a bunch of questions, and hopefully they have answers to it. Hopefully they don't like hang up on us because we ask like too many prodding things. But I don't know without further ado, because I'm sure she's tired of listening to me ramble, Rachel Gregory, welcome to the Keto Matrix podcast. Is it everything you hoped it would be so far?
2: I'm holding back my laugh. You guys oh, are hilarious.
0: Let it out. Let it out.
1: Thanks for having me. She's oh, like, no what problem. did I get myself into? Oh my yeah. God, this
0: just took a serious turn. Yeah. And she said, thanks for having, a, having me. Like, really? Don't say thank you yet. You may regret it. Like oh, 35 boy. seconds or so. Um, um, but Rachel, no. seriously, though, uh, I know you're right now enjoying your sunset, probably, right? Because it's about, I don't know, 3.30-ish your time?
2: Yeah, sun's still out. We still that's got a nice. little bit of time.
0: What's the temperature today in sunny South California?
2: Uh, it's probably like 75, 70-ish.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm talking yeah,
2: about. Pretty nice. <laughs> Sounds amazing.
0: We're going to live vicariously through you, if you don't mind, just for a moment. <laughs> All right, cool. No. Moment's done. That's That was fantastic. 70 degrees. I could feel the sun on my face. Um, So with that said, though, um, now I know that you're not originally from Southern California. So can you take us through that journey? Where are you from? Who is Rachel Gregory?
2: Sure. Yeah. So I am actually from Manhattan, New York, uh, born and raised there. Um, And well, I guess. Yeah. So I'm born and raised in Manhattan, went to Florida for a little while, Virginia, back to Florida and then to Cali. So that's like my G Geography,
0: okay, well, obviously. we're going to, st- we got, we got to stop for a <laughs> we second. Gotta go <laughs> we got to go back. We got to, we're going to go back. So we're going, going back, back. No. Okay. I'll leave that alone. So let's go back to New York. for se- Come on. Tell me you don't know Tupac's going back to, going back to Cali version with oh, of course. To go. Like it's the, the coast. All right. <laughs> Brittany's looking, Brittany's making these faces right now. Like this is not a hip hop show. I'm not making show. faces.
1: I'm just, I, is I shrugging my shoulders? I don't know,
0: but that's not anything new when it comes to music. So no. continue. All right. So, Rachel, what is your favorite food in New York City? Oh, and by the way, I'm originally from New York, by the way. So you can oh, totally. Really? Yeah. Yes. So you Did can. I know that? I don't we're know. Where in New York? Um, Long Island.
2: Oh, we're in Long Island?
0: <laughs> Suffolk County. Okay. Cool. I know where that is. Okay. Okay. Um, not to be confused with like the Hamptons. I wasn't that far East, but <laughs> so. um, having said that though, I've spent plenty of time in the city, obviously. And so we're going to take a little trip down the New York memory lane. So okay. where is your favorite place to eat in New York? Pre, pre keto before you were like, oh I'm going to be healthy. Like get in the nitty gritty.
2: Uh- I I would say, I mean, I guess there's a bunch of places like in my neighborhood, obviously, like where I grew up. Um, I grew up on the Upper East Side. Um, When I say that, sometimes people are like, oh, you're one of those people. Yeah,
0: we instantly just had Gossip Girl. You're you're totally on Gossip Girl right now. Like, that's just (laughs) what came in. And anything you say after that, I'm picturing you with a macaron in your hand. So just... Throwing that yeah, out Yeah, so
2: that's, yeah, definitely the whole gossip girl thing. That's definitely not who I was. I was like the tomboy who was playing basketball and softball. I'm the only girl on the co-ed, those co-ed teams uh, growing up. So yeah, I was, I was the opposite of a gossip girl.
0: So you were um, kind of like Jenny, but in terms of sports instead of fashion.
2: Uh, sure.
0: <laughs> no, maybe a little bit.
2: Uh, like Jenny, like JLo. No, or- Jenny
0: like Gossip Girl. we listen. Stay with the Gossip oh. Girl track.
2: Oh. <laughs> See, I didn't even watch Gossip Girl. That's how little I know about it.
0: This is so sad. I want you to get off the podcast right now and start season one, episode one, so that you can change your life because.
2: (laughs) I mean, I actually saw them recording. They used to record like around my neighborhood, but I never, never got into the show.
0: Okay. So I know you've been on other podcasts prior to the Keto Matrix, and all I can say is that no other episode has captivated the true intentions of exposing yourself in New York and got Gossip Girl. And so right now I feel like we have done all the listeners a favor. If they have not watched Gossip Girl, they should stop doing whatever they're doing right now, except listening to this podcast and start watching Gossip Girl. Me and my wife are so into Gossip Girl that we literally will go to like a Starbucks and when they ask for our names, we will say we're Chuck and Blair. That's right. They also use references in like
1: regular communication with each other. I have not watched it, so I don't know. I can only tell because they then proceed to look at me and laugh that they realize that what they're doing. But I've just picked up. It's either that or Gilmore Girl references. But they do really, really enjoy Gossip Girl.
0: Yes. So Rachel, please. I don't know if we can continue our friendship, acquaintanceship or anything without you going to learn a little bit more about gossip girl. So watch a couple episodes, give it at least three, and then, you know, we'll catch you when you're done binging. All right. I'll put that
2: on the notepad.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, But okay. So seriously, so sports, cool. Upper East side. Cool. So where did you eat?
2: Okay. So first things that come to mind are pizza, obviously, Um, I grew up right across the street from a diner called the mansion. Uh, Um, (laughs) that was probably my favorite place because it was literally there my entire childhood. And it was just, you know, your typical Greek diner. What else? There's so much in the neighborhood. So I'd say the diner or there's a pizza place called Italian village. And it was, it's like your typical New York, um, pizza, pizza, pizza joint has like um the pizza shop in the front and then it has a little cute like restaurant in the back and i would i grew up going there my parents actually <laughs> got engaged in the restaurant in the back so we would um i grew up going there every friday night it was like go to italian village we call it IV for pizza night on fridays yeah so i like get probably my favorite place
0: you're <laughs> not a new yorker if you don't do pizza on friday nights I'm just saying, like, that's just, yeah, I, that's, I I feel like that's, that is the defining factor on whether or not you're in New York or not. Like it's pizza on Friday nights. Like everybody does pizza on Friday nights. It's insane. So very cool. I love it. Um, I haven't been to Italian village, but I can picture it because yeah, like you're like, it's your typical pizza joint almost anywhere within New York. That's any, any good anyway. So cool. Cool. So are you a pepperoni or a
2: cheese type? Um. I actually like to get like some different stuff on it. So I would say probably cheese, but they had like meatball and sausage and even like buffalo chicken, which is getting a little crazy, but all that type of thing. Uh, when I did enjoy the pizza back in the day,
0: back in the day. All right. Okay, cool. So, <laughs> we have left New York and we moved to Florida. What part of Florida? I feel like your journey is so similar to mine because I went from New York to Florida myself.
2: Yes. Now I'm recalling we talked about this a few weeks ago.
0: We did. We did. But so you went, um, you left from New York and you went to Florida.
2: Yes. Yeah, so I went to uh, college at University of Miami. So I went to undergrad there. Um, and I studied athletic training and sports medicine. I'm pausing if you have any questions there or if I should move on to Virginia.
0: No, no. So here's the thing. I'm just going to re- Interrupt you in the middle of your conversation. So it won't matter. Like when the questions come up, I'm just going to throw them out. So, I mean, we can, if you'd like to, let's take a second and say, you know, you played sports, right? High school and all those great things. When you're playing sports in high school, is that where you initially got the bug to say, I want to do like athletic training and that aspect for majoring in college? Or was it like a default, I have no idea what I want to do, but this will keep me close to sports?
2: Yeah. So I actually, um, I played basketball like my whole life. Basketball was like my number one sport, number, number one like sport that I love. And I uh, played pretty competitively AAU, all that. And I actually wanted to um, play in college, not division one. I was looking at like D2, D3 schools. Um, I actually got injured my junior year of high school and I was, um, I missed my entire second season and then my entire AAU season, um, which was when that was like the time where you get like scouted and all of that. Um, I had to get surgery on my ankle and I was in a cast for two months and obviously couldn't play for a long time. So that kind of derailed me from, um, you know, kind of like the dream to play in college. So that's when I got more into like the injury side of things when I I was recovering from my own injury and, um, I was thinking about, you know, applying to colleges obviously at that time. And I decided that I wanted to go to, I wanted to go to college for athletic training. Like that's what I was looking for in a college and looking for in programs. And I came across the university of Miami. One of my teachers, uh, went there and they have like a really, uh, great athletic training program. And so I applied early decision there, got in and didn't look back.
0: Cool. What position did you play in basketball?
2: Um, I was shooting guard. Um, mostly we had a small, it was a small school in New York. Um, so sports, I don't know if any of your listeners know, like growing up in Manhattan, sports are um, not as big as you you know, in the, if you're in the burbs or whatever. But, um, so yeah, I went to a private Jesuit Catholic high school. Um, so our sports teams were not like the best, but, uh, that's why I played AU. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I was shooting guard mostly, uh, sucked at point guards so and definitely was not that. Um, yeah.
0: Cool. I love it. And the reason why for those listeners that are like trying to figure that out is because, um, Manhattan is not the place for sports. If you wanted to be <laughs> good in sports, but not get recruited, you are going to play in Queens or Brooklyn. Like, that's just the reality of it. So, yeah, or the Burbs. For sure. um, But that's, 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 or AAU. Totally cool. That's yeah, we all A-I-U. the exposure was. But okay, so you get injured. Um, what did you do to your ankle? Like, how severe was it? Obviously, it was pretty severe for the time frame. It sounded like it, it took to, Heal and go through recovery.
2: Yeah. So I had like a little, um, there was like a little piece of bone that chipped off inside my ankle. And it was kind of like I actually went up for a layup and came down and just completely like rolled it. You know, like when you've seen those videos, those like disgusting <laughs> videos where they show like the person coming down and completely rolling their ankle. Uh, that's what I did. So it pe- a little piece of the bone chipped off and they had to uh, remove that. And I couldn't wait bare for, uh, it was like six to eight weeks. So I had to be in like a cast and all that stuff. Um, yeah, it was fun times.
0: Oh yeah. Fun times. That sounds like way too much fun for me. I'm sitting here thinking about (laughs) the last time I had a a bone chip they removed from my knee. I've had five (laughs) knee surgeries by the way. So, um, yeah. So when I was talking about like recovery, like I'm, I'm so there, but, um, yeah, that sucks, man. That's never that's never fun, and it's never as as easy to recover as one may assume or hope. You know, what's funny is that we have somebody else on that played basketball in a small town that was involved in extracurricular things. Uh, I don't know if you've had a chance to meet Brittany. Brittany, how are you?
1: <laughs> I'm good. Um, I was just listening. It's, it's always interesting to me. So many people, um, that want to do athletic training generally have some sort of pretty significant, uh, recovery period that like th- there's almost always a pretty major, uh, injury for girls. Normally it's a knee just cause our knees are awesome and our mechanics are not normally great. But, um, what position did you that, play Brittany? I was a power forward or a center. I, uh, I'm six foot. So I was, was like, just by default.
0: Oh, you were a two guard. What are you talking about?
1: Oh. Uh, that was in college when I started playing pickup ball with all the guys because then I was a shrimp, but I had to learn oh. how to shoot a three-point shot much better than I ever did
0: in high school or college. It's fantastic. I, I love it. All right, so we're <laughs> round robin. People are going to be like, when are they going to start talking about keto? Don't worry, guys. It's coming. Um, so, <laughs> Rachel, who's your favorite today in the NBA as far as players?
2: NBA. So, I don't watch the NBA that much. I watch college more, but definitely one of my favorite players has always been Stephen Curry. Um, and I don't know. Did you see the game last night at all?
0: Rachel, I'm about to disconnect this <laughs> podcast right now.
1: I'm a, Well, I don't have any control on it, but I would say I would keep it going because I could have given the same exact answer that you just gave, except for I did not see the game last night. Um, I did <laughs> not see
0: the game last night. I shouldn't say I'm not, I'm not trying to bash Stephen Curry. I'm just yes, you are. I'm not. I'm not. I just you don't like him. It's not that I don't like him. I first off, I'm going to tell you right now, if he doesn't keep his mouth guard in his mouth, it drives me. <laughs> it drives me absolutely insane.
2: Well, you need to go back and watch last night's game i'm sure there's some memes all over twitter about it but he took like i was like dying laughing for five minutes because he had um a breakaway layup and or dunk or whatever and he completely like fell on his butt and i was going to say the other word but i don't know if this is censored or not so but yeah, family, he fell friendly. On his,
0: family friendly family <laughs> friendly
2: yes he fell on his his behind and uh completely missed the wide open dunk and then they got the ball back and someone threw it to him and then he completely airballed a three-pointer oh man and it was just like i was just like dying laughing the whole time i had to replay it for my roommate um but yeah you should definitely oh, look cool. it up because it's probably a meme right now oh on,
0: my gosh everywhere that is absolutely lovely for that reason we are we will continue recording I love that that's that's great um I don't have a dislike for him I would I would have to say that it is what it is okay so you said you talk more college or you watch more college who's your I, oh, I, I feel like I know who you're gonna say because if you say anybody other than this individual I don't even know where you're watching but who's your favorite college player right now
2: I don't really have a favorite right now to be honest I mean I've kind of been slacking on watching anything lately in the past last few uh, years. Um, yeah, I don't have like a favorite college player right now. Okay. Have you
0: been, have you been watching the Blue Devils by chance?
2: Uh, not really. Honestly, haven't been watching much of anything this season. A few games here and there.
0: All right. So this is what I'm going to help you right now, because I feel like you need to with beyond a shadow of a doubt, just because I haven't seen someone play um, this intensely and have this much impact in a game. I feel like I, I, I can't even think of when. Um, I'm really like sitting here trying to go back through. It's, it's, he's one of those players that when you watch him, you just instantly know that he is going to be a star in the NBA, right? So hmm. I put it this way. I feel like if I didn't say his name, you would think to yourself, okay, I'm going to watch, I'll just watch a game. And literally within like two seconds, you'd be like, oh my goodness. Like,
1: <laughs> well, listen, while you're looking that up, I just watched the 10 second clip of Steph Curry last night. And oh my, my goodness, <laughs> hilarious! Oh, yeah, that's just like I feel so not just because I like Steph Curry, but in general, that is oh, that was a rough rough
0: little period of time.
2: Yeah. But like afterwards, he was just like laughing it off and he was like, well, I'm still awesome. So whatever.
0: <laughs> I, I guess. But either way. um, Okay. So either way, we digress. So you went to Florida. You went to Miami. My sister went there, by the way. So um, I'm okay. partial to the Canes. Um, and then you found your way from how long were you in Florida? Like that whole time frame, obviously at least four years.
2: Yeah. So I'll give you kind of like a little bit of how I got into nutrition. So I went to Miami and and I was studying athletic training and I loved it. Um, I picked up triathlons when I went there uh, my freshman year. I was missing like when I got there like a month in, I didn't really have like a sport that I was doing and they didn't have um Intramural basketball till the spring. So I actually was just like in the freshman dorm that, you know, they have those bulletin boards where it like shows the different club sports and stuff like that. And I just went and looked at one day and saw like an advertisement for the triathlon team. And I was like, all right, well, I need a challenge. So I'll just try this out. Um, and it turned into joining the club team and doing triathlons for the entire time I was there for the four years. Um, what, what distances
1: like sprint, Olympic? Yeah. So Iron we Man did,
2: night. we did sprints and Olympic. Um, the Olympic distance was that that was like the collegiate distance also. So like when we competed okay. against other schools, um, the collegiate distance was um, that's what we competed distance. in. And then I did um, train for a half Ironman. And that's another injury that I um, had. I had compartment syndrome in both of my legs, exertional compartment syndrome from a host of different things that all stemmed from overtraining. Um, but that's like a whole other story. I don't know if you want to get into that.
0: Let's do it. <laughs> Let's do it no, I want to hear it. But I, listen, so for, <laughs> for me, here's the biggest thing, right? Like, And listeners know this for the most part. So um, I train police and military canines. Um, I have gone through a ton of injuries. And one of the things, if people were to ask me, what are the, one of the things I love the most about keto, um, other than the weight loss benefits, other than the amazing aspects of neurological function and improvements, um, in other than like overall reduced inflammation is how fast I come back from injuries. And like, I feel like this is definitely something that we should talk about and unpack so that people can kind of understand, you know, not only why your keto and how it's impacted you thus far, but you know, everything leading up to it. So yeah, let's talk about it. Unpack that bad boy.
2: Yeah. So, um, this was about my junior year of college. I was training for, um, a triathlon, a uh, half Ironman, and I guess it was a combination of just overdoing it. They don't really know like what, uh, so it's chronic exertional compartment syndrome is what it's called, and. Um, they don't really know, like if there's one specific cause for people, it's different. It can be, you know, related to your genetics a little bit overtraining. Um, I don't know, changing your shoes, all different types of things. Um, so I developed, uh, chronics, I developed that and basically it's, um, where your muscles, uh, this is how I kind of explain it to people. I'm not, it's the easiest way that I think about it, but basically your muscles get kind of like too big, too fast and they swell, um, in your legs and they start to compress your your nerves. So I would get something like when I was running, I would get something called drop foot where my um, foot couldn't dorsiflex or, or pick up um, as I was running. And that's like one of the signs of it. Um, I get like a lot of numbness and tingling in my legs. Uh, it's kind of like if you're wearing um, well, this is once. So basically what they do to relieve it is a bilateral fasciotomy. And so they basically go in and cut the four compartments of your fascia to kind of relieve the pressure. Yeah. So I went through all that. And I don't that, know do you have any that, questions.
0: And that felt <laughs> (laughs) So you were
2: not able to, yeah, I can only imagine. (laughs) Um,
1: And so did that end your like aspiration to do a half Ironman or just postpone it?
2: So, yeah. So I never actually did a half Ironman. Um, This was junior year. So it was the end of my junior year. And so I was out um, for a while, um, all that summer. And then I um, recovered pretty well. Um, At this point, I wasn't keto. Um, I was pretty paleo. Um, at that point. Um, but yeah, I recovered and then I was able to do, uh, get back into the season for my senior year and do, you know, the, uh, Olympic and collegiate distances. Um, I still haven't done a half Ironman. It's on my list for sometime in the future.
0: Hopefully, Let me, let me ask you a question. And this is, I'm just, I'm thinking about this. Um, are you, you going back to school at, at all for anything?
2: Um, I don't think so. I mean, I thought about maybe going back for my doctorate at some point. Um, I just haven't thought that out yet. All right. It's well, on the list, is, maybe. But this
0: is what I want to say. I'm just going to I'm going to put this out there now. OK, if you decide for any reason that you're going to go back to school for anything, I want you to take the years that may be needed to complete said degree and the year prior to graduating. Do not do anything extraneous because you will end up injured <laughs> you did in high school <laughs> and you did again your junior year in college. So I just want to say like that third year, that third year before the fourth year, I feel like the cards are not in your favor. It's <laughs> far as injuries. Like yeah. I just, I'm throwing that out there. So, you're um, right. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, don't call me a prophet or anything, but <laughs> Stop. <laughs> That's an inside joke. It's, I'm crazy. Um, I've probably said that like three or four podcasts now. Um, but okay, cool. Yeah. So you've, you've gone through those things. You haven't done the Ironman. And I just want to let you know right now, you're on the episode. We're talking to you. And so that is going to lead to me wanting to push you as an individual. And so. I'm going to be pushing to find out when that date is that you're going to do. Not a half, but a full Ironman. Oh, I
2: don't know about that one.
1: <laughs> oh, it's-, it's not even a real thing. Like to go from a half to push to a full is not even like a realistic. I mean, I'm not saying that she cannot do that, but that's not like a realistic push. Be like, oh, you know what? Let's do a half. Oh, let's just go ahead and go to the full. That's totally different. Oh, like no, 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 no. double everything. Yeah. I mean, it, yes. it's like training for a full Ironman is truly a full time job to do it correctly um, to avoid injury. <laughs> so, here, sure. I mean,
0: I, this is what I'm saying. I am she may saying. have other life aspirations. For sure. I Listen, we all have a ton of aspirations, life and otherwise, but what I'm saying is we're like no to push team. people into things that they don't actually want to do,
1: is what you're saying.
0: It, that is a little bit, a little bit of that. Yep. Right. So yep. I'm going to okay. pull it. Just I'm gonna make pl- sure we're self-aware. We're going to get you real uncomfortable. After the half Ironman, then we will work towards the full Ironman, and I will do that by positively encouraging throughout
2: all
0: it. All right. <laughs> oh my gosh. You're ridiculous. No. Okay, moving on. Oh, that means I, I feel like I when Brittany says stuff like moving on, I feel like I get a buzzer hit and I'm like, that's it. <laughs> the next stage of the game is up because that, that stage has been failed. So as you kind of get, you got through obviously looking at the training for those things. When did you start to really look into, you know, changing from a Paleolithic aspect to something else? Um, in kind of helping prepare for, or what was the, the stimulus that? started you looking, you know, kind of differently at your carb intake and the whole food approach to everything else.
2: Yeah. So like during that junior year of college, I started getting a lot more into nutrition. Um, I was, and this was before my, just before my injury, just like in the beginning of junior year, um, I was loving athletic training. Athletic training was awesome. I met a lot of people. Um, it was very rigorous. Um, you have to do like over a thousand clinical hours on top of school, on top of everything else. Um, so it was a lot, but I loved it. Um, I started getting more into nutrition and I knew that, um, I wanted to pursue nutrition further. So I decided to look into grad schools where I could, um, work as an athletic trainer and get my, um, master's degree in nutrition. And I found James Madison university in Virginia. Um, they had a program that fit that aligned with exactly what I was looking for. It was a uh, master's in nutrition, exercise, physiology, um, mostly nutrition. Oh, sorry.
0: No, no, you're good. Um, you know, I think I know so often, especially for myself, when, you know, I'm talking about like things I've accomplished or things that I've gone through. Um, I tend to gloss over some of the most detailed aspects of what made whatever certification so important. So I want to kind of back up a little bit when you're talking about the thousand clinical hours, <laughs> which mm-hmm. a thousand hours of anything is a lot. But what did what did your clinicals look like? How did that work? I feel like people can look at your background and see your certifications and you can tell them that you went through XYZ process to get there. But um, can you un- kind of unpack like what a clinical looks like what were your what were you graded on to go through the clinical hours like what was that process like
2: yeah so for the clinical hours for athletic training it was basically from my sophomore year until the end of my senior year um, we worked as uh, student athletic trainers with um, all the sports teams so we did rotations every semester um, with all the sports teams then we also did a rotation in the hospital so every day we would go um, down to the uh Miami hospital and, uh, work in the orthopedic department with the athletic trainers there. Um, so yeah, it was basically just every day, um, after we got out of class or usually before. So waking up, you know, at 4am being there before practice, um, setting up for practice, all that type of thing. Um, and then mostly just injury prevention, um, PT, all, all that type of thing. Um, and just working with different teams and doing that for three years straight, basically. So, so
0: let's let's just, and again, uh, I, I hope people are like centered and listening and leaning in on the things that you just said, because you're at University of Miami, right? In Florida. So they're a division one school with an extremely important sports program. Granted, some sports, they're better than others, but you're still seeing a very diverse group of athletes on a regular basis where you're, you know, intricately involved in their success as an athlete um from pretty much comprehensively, right? Because I'm sure that they have specific nutrition programs that they're running for their students, um, especially when, you know, coincide and coinciding with whether it's injury prevention, injury, you know, recovery, et cetera. And you're like front seat view for all of this, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And um it wasn't until like I realized I started getting more into nutrition myself that I was, you know, did realize how much of an impact nutrition has um in terms of that. And I think that is actually one, I think it's gotten a lot better in recent years. But I think back, like when I was when I was at Miami, nutrition was not, um, especially for the athletes. It wasn't something that was, uh, you know explained a lot and all of that it was more of just making sure they were eating enough especially like the football players like eat as much as you can you know go to the food food hall freeze court whatever and just eat as much as you can um you know chugging uh what's it called muscle milk after everything and it, for those athletes like yes there may be a time and place but Um, I think the nutrition was definitely, um, the education behind it was definitely lacking for, um, a lot of, a lot of the athletes there. I'm hoping it's gotten a lot better. Um, but when I was there, it wasn't, wasn't that great.
0: Cool. Um, and I will say I've had, I've had a few, uh, collegiate football players that have looked to go keto and making that transition. And that's one of the hardest things for them, um, on season is trying to make that transition, knowing that they're going to be stopping at whatever buffet the bus stops at, that they're going Mm -hmm. to be like force fed carbs or pizza or whatever else. And that, that has been like some of the largest struggles. So I love that. Um, okay. So go ahead. You can kind of walk through the transition from Miami to Virginia and how you kind of delved more into the nutritional aspect of things through that process.
2: Yeah, sure. So I went to, um, right after I graduated from Miami, like two months later, I went to, uh, JMU, James Madison in Harrisonburg, Virginia, which is, um, the middle of nowhere, uh, from going from New York city to Miami to there, it was a, it was a big culture shock, but it was something that I wanted to experience. And that was another reason why I chose, uh, JMU was for their program. And, um, when I interviewed there, it was just met a lot of great people and, you know, love the vibe. Um, so yeah, I went there and when I got to JMU, I uh, was working as, uh, the athletic trainer for the women's swimming and diving team there. Um, And I started, (laughs) it was like kind of the same thing as I went to college, got to grad school. um, It was really busy, was working really long hours, had classes as well. And I needed something, like I needed a workout. I needed some challenge that was sports related. So I ended up getting into CrossFit. Um. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm like this pattern is, is is seeming to evolve and I didn't even think about it. But yeah, so it's the same thing as you know before I was just looking for something competitive and at that time I didn't have I didn't have the time to train for triathlons. Um, and so, yeah, I got into CrossFit. I just, you know, I honestly, I just joined to get like a quick workout in. Um, and I ended up really, really liking the community there. Um, it was like a family. Harrisonburg is a very small town. So there's only like one or two CrossFits. And it was, you know, family owned CrossFit, very friendly. Everybody's just there to, you know, have a good time, work out, kind of sweat on a little competition. Um, so I ended up starting CrossFit, getting into that and then when i um for my masters program it was a 2 year program we had to uh p- do a master's thesis. And it was either, um, you did most of my classmates were doing, uh, you had to do like a, a study and most of my classmates were doing uh, survey type studies. And I knew that that wasn't something that I was going to be like very intrigued about. I, and I knew that I needed something that was challenging. Um, so I decided to do a human, uh, clinical intervention and, uh, we can get into that, but that's kind of where my whole, um, dive into the keto world started.
0: So let's do this because first off, you just said human clinical intervention. Some of the listeners right now are thinking about the show intervention, where like five people sit down <laughs> and they tell their one loved one why they need to stop doing what they're doing. And I know that's not what you did. So if you could first set the set the groundwork for what a human clinical intervention is, and then yes, most certainly I'd love to talk through, especially since yeah. I know a little bit of the background from the CrossFit aspect of things and how it was done um, to sure. kind yeah, of unpack all that. Why I
2: said human. I don't know why it came out like that. Usually I just say it was just a human study.
0: No, no, no. <laughs> I, I love it that you said it that way because I know people are like human clinical intervention. Oh my goodness. it's like dun, 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 times two. <laughs> like what is, what does that even mean? Um, and how can I be a part? Cause you know, somebody was thinking, oh man, I want to be the guinea pig. So yeah. let's, let's totally talk about that. What is a human clinical intervention?
2: Yeah. So I guess I'll just get into it and it'll kind of make sense as I talk about it. But um, so when I got to grad school, we had to, kind of come up with a topic on what we wanted to do our uh, master's thesis on. And so it had to be something that was nutrition and exercise related. Uh, so when, after I'd been at the CrossFit gym for a few months, um, I started to think about, uh, we had to start thinking about, you know, the thesis. And so um, I knew that I wanted to do a uh, nutritional intervention in an exercise population. And I decided to kind of pull the people at the CrossFit gym and see if they wanted to be involved in that. And I had a really um, a large amount of people who said, yes, like I definitely want to be involved. And so we had, um, about 30 plus people, um, came to, uh, you know, the, the start of it. And when I was, uh, sorry, I just lost my train of thought, but yeah, so the, it was a nutrition intervention in an exercise population. So the exercise population was the CrossFit athletes and these are non-elite CrossFit athletes. I always like to say that because some people, um, give me some crap for it, but <laughs> yes, yeah, non-elite just your average Joe. And we we. We can talk about that also down the line, um, who is actually going to CrossFit, like what your average person is, who's is going to CrossFit. It actually, isn't that elite person that you would see at the CrossFit games. It's, I,
0: I your- definitely want to talk about that. Cause I know where you're going with it. I, I do have some, uh, f- quite a few, uh, triathlete clients and one of the biggest buzzwords, um, elite and then fat adaptation and metabolic flexibility and where they think they are in terms of how hard they train and what their nutrition is, even if they are like paleolithic and all of those things and I know that the people that must have given you crap about it had to have this thought process like oh well you know it's because of how well they metabolically function already and that's why you've seen this and that and the other thing so yeah we we definitely need to unpack that but let's finish setting up the study um so that people can kind of wrap their minds around like how you did things, which I thought was pretty cool.
2: Yeah, sure. So um so I had my exercise population and then I needed to figure out what type of nutritional intervention I wanted to do. And so I started um diving into the literature. My advisor, he told me, you know, pick something, pick a subject that you don't know much about because you're gonna be doing this for the next two years and researching it. And also find something that's um like that's missing in you know your literature so you do your whole literature review you just dive into all the research what's out there um and you kind of want to fill in the gap so find something that's not there to do it so you can be you know unique and different um so i came across originally i thought i was going to do some type of paleo intervention and at that point i was kind of just sick of researching all paleo stuff and there wasn't really like a specific thing that i that i wanted to focus on and then I don't remember exactly how I came across keto, but I do know that I came across uh, Jimmy Moore's book, uh, Low Carb, uh, keto clarity, sorry. And ordered it on Amazon, read it in like one day. And I was just like fascinated by everything. Um, and at that point I hadn't even, you know, learned anything about keto before. Um, so yeah, I just dove back into the literature and I decided, okay, I'm going to do a ketogenic intervention in a CrossFit population. Cause there's nothing out there on that. And that's what we did. So I can get into the details. If you yeah. Want. Can,
0: let's, yeah, let's break down a little bit about, okay. So I know you had, you know two different populations how many what was the the mix up between like men and women and how did you decide what their nutritional intervention was going to look like and then you know how often was the upkeep how were you explaining the nutrition how did you walk them through starting keto all of those things
2: yeah sure so um i guess one thing i didn't mention is one of the reasons why i did choose keto and why i thought it was super cool was that um it was the only Uh, diet intervention that I found that you can actually measure um, a substance in the person, obviously ketones, and actually see if they're adhering to the protocol. So rather than Mm -hmm. um, just trusting them for their food logs, or um, we know that the scale is you know it can be helpful but also can be not helpful at times so yeah so that's why that was like my one thing oh this is really cool i can actually see week to week if they're actually following this protocol by um at that point we had only we're we're only able to test their urine we weren't able to test their blood because we didn't have the funding for it um but we did use a a special machine that actually spit out the number of um ketones they were producing in their urine so it was a little bit more controlled than just like looking at the color um but I can talk about that um Yeah for sure in a little bit so yeah so it was uh what we did is we just went into the um the gym. And I just asked everybody if they would be interested. And we had a little tutorial of, you know, what keto is. Um, well actually that was after the fact. So we had 30, about 33 participants and we put them all on a computer and randomly split them up into two groups. So one group was the, uh, low carb ketogenic group. And one group was just the control group. So the control group was told to just continue doing what they were doing. Um, we made sure that nobody was following any specific diets within the last few months months before the study. Um, so the, the control group was just your standard American, just kind of doing what they were doing. And then the other group was the the keto group. So um, it was a six-week study and we did pre and post measurements, both nutrition, um, sorry, both body composition and uh, um, performance. So we tested different performance, performance metrics and then we tested uh, DEXA scan pre and post. Um, and then throughout the study, I tested their... Um, for so for six weeks, uh, every Friday night, I would go to the gym and <laughs> collect 30 urine samples. Um, so that was fun, but yeah, so we tested their urine. Um, they would we put literally put like a cooler in the Bathroom and had them pee in cups every Friday, and I went and collected those, brought them back to the lab, and spent a few hours every Friday night just testing uh, urine. So that was fun. Um, yeah. So we and we did them for both groups because we wanted to make sure that the control group for some reason like wasn't trying to follow the keto diet or anything like that. We wanted to make sure that like, the keto group was doing what they were supposed to be doing. Can we just pause for a minute and ha- <laughs> and
0: hand clap your dedication to collect 30 urine samples? for any kind of study because I'm out like I've already done
1: and doing it on a Friday night like to boot I'm like that's yeah,
0: yeah. And, I, mean, I mean I can yeah. I can guarantee you weren't going to drink beer after that
2: yeah I mean I didn't really have a life at all those two years in grad school anyway so it was just you know add to it whatever Um, but no I mean it was totally worth it in the end um, Man, okay so
0: I, I, <laughs> I, 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 yeah I don't think you could have a life collecting 30 urine samples on Friday nights I feel like uh yeah, that wasn't going to work out, but I love it. Okay. So what did, what were the results? Like how was everything coming out?
2: Yeah, sure. So, and th- so throughout the study, we also, um, took food logs every, uh, every two weeks we did three day food logs just to, you know, look at their food intake. And we put those in like a special, um, it was kind of like a, my fitness pal on crack where it basically like spit out all the nutrition, everything. It was like a super high tech thing. Um, so we knew we, we had all that. And obviously there was limitations to that because it was just, you know, self-reporting. But um so yeah, at the end of the study, uh six weeks after six weeks, the uh ketogenic diet group um on average lost a significant amount of body fat, body weight, um, and fat mass. And then they were able to maintain uh their lean muscle mass or their muscle mass um to the same degree that the control group was. And the control group lost um they didn't lose any body fat, they actually gained a little bit of weight on average. Um, and then and that was body composition wise. And then in terms of performance, um, both groups over the six weeks increased performance to the same, uh, significance. So they both increased their performance over the six weeks, which is obviously if you're doing six weeks of CrossFit, you'd like to increase your performance. Um, we wanted yeah, to make you, sure you that, yeah. And so the, the, basically the hypothesis of this study is that we wanted to see if the ketogenic diet group could lose a significant amount of body fat without compromising their performance or their muscle. And it actually came true. And, um, I was surprised because I had like, I going into the study, I had no idea like what the outcome was going to be, which is which you should do going into a study. Um, but I really had no idea. Um, and my advisor had no idea either. He, um, he was kind of very skeptical about it at first. He's the, um, head of the dietetics program at JMU. And he was very skeptical, skeptical of it at first. And, and to the point where we actually had to run the data a few more times to, to make sure that it was actually accurate. Cause he was just like confused. Um, so yeah, that was pretty cool. But um, yeah, those are the main results after, after the six weeks.
0: My key takeaway on all this stuff is that basically you have all these people that are like just grand scheme and I don't understand. Keto can't possibly help you build muscle or perform better or any of the other misnomers that are out there. And I think that easily, I mean, that that's a perfect example of the fact that you can and, and the worst time because the first six weeks of keto sucks. Like I'm that's just, what I was actually
1: really interested to hear what the performance side was going to be because it was only six weeks. I was like, that's potentially could have, Almost skewed it. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. you didn't know that at the time. Um, but thinking back to when I transitioned on keto, I was like, "Oh, those first six weeks were a little bit rough." Um, yeah. Did they do any sort of uh, like? Did they just eat a ketogenic diet, or did you guys use any sort of
2: supplements or anything? Yeah. So that's also something I forgot to mention. So before the study even happened, like I obviously got into keto myself and started, you know, trying it on myself, and I had some time before the study was actually going to go on to test myself and test different things. And, you know, like a lot of people do, I started out and I was doing very low carb, but very low fat at the same time. Uh, I was still, you know, going to CrossFit four or five days a week. So I was feeling like crap. Um, I was like, all right, well, this sucks. I need to figure something. I need to like try other things. So I continued to do research, um, started looking more into like the electrolytes started, you know, getting up on that and making sure I was doing that, making sure I was just eating enough, um, protein as well. So that's something else we can talk about. Um, so yeah, so I, I, basically had like a few months to test myself. It was like six months to, to really get in, get in on it on myself and, um, all of that before the study even happened. So going into the study, I think that's one thing that I wanted to, you know, educate these people as much as possible before they even started. So the keto group I educated, like I gave them a packet that basically laid it out, like what you need to focus on doing. So electrolytes, um, I explained that, you know, the first week definitely they're going to have lower energy and their workouts aren't going to be as great as they normally would, but to kind of push through it the first week, week and a half. Um, and a lot of them noticed, you know, that, that lower motivation, that lower energy and um, you know, keeping up on with the electrolytes, keeping up with the calories, especially in the beginning um, was super important. And I pushed and I pushed for that. And I think that's something that when people start, you know, some specific diet or, and as well as an exercise, program at the same time, and they're not educated on, especially keto, if they're not educated on all the specifics these specific things, that's when a lot of things go wrong. And that's when um, a lot of the issues can come about with people saying, Oh, you know, I tried that, but I felt like crap or I lost all my strength where in reality, they probably just weren't um, fueling themselves appropriately. So yeah, that was one of the main things that I definitely uh, made sure I educated them.
0: So how are you, how are you determining what the thresholds were going to be to make sure that they were fueling themselves and getting adequate protein and fat, et cetera. And since you have been low fat, low carb. How did that feel in comparison to doing keto properly?
2: Yeah. So I think just not having enough calories is the main thing, especially doing those workouts and and not having the fat. So I actually, um, if you look at the study, the, um, the nutrition part of it, if you compare like the control group to the uh, keto group with their nutrition logs, I said, we did those every two weeks. (laughs) Um, we kind of averaged them out and looked at them. And so there was no significant difference between protein intake between the groups, but there was obviously a significant difference um, between fat and carbs. So the keto group was obviously uh, very low in carbs, higher in fat then the, and the control group was the opposite. So higher in carbs, lower in fat, um, and protein was up about the same. And I didn't really, at this point, um, I didn't really worry too much about protein. And also I told like a lot of the participants, I didn't have them track macros very specifically. The main thing that I told them to do with tracking was keeping their total carbs under 50 grams. So that was like going into the study. It was like, keep your total carbs under 50 grams, make sure you're getting enough protein and, you know, eat enough fat too. So that was like the main thing. There was some people who did track, you know, using my fitness pal, but it wasn't a requirement except for those, uh, three day food logs every two weeks.
0: Cool. Very cool. Okay. So how with with all of that information that you received from them, how did that impact what you were doing with yourself?
2: Um, so at this point I was pretty, uh, like far into it myself. I was doing it myself. I was pretty, I think I was pretty adapted by that point. Like I said, it was, I had like a good six months to test it on myself. And I started noticing differences in myself, especially with like recovery aspects of it. I didn't, I wasn't doing it much for like weight loss. Um, but the mental clarity and the mental focus and all of that was, I definitely felt that. Um, and then also the recovery part of it. I remember, I always remember this, um, just with CrossFit, there's a lot of like jump roping and stuff like that. And I did, uh, with my, uh, history of compartments in gym, when I did start CrossFit, I was, I did have issues with a lot of the jumping because um, my legs would swell up a lot after doing a lot of jumping, like box jumps or, you know, double unders, which are just jump roping. Um, and so when I did start keto, I did notice that I had uh, a lot less swelling in my legs when I was doing that. Um, so that was one thing that I noticed. Um, and then also just the mental performance clarity, all that, those benefits outside of, um, the performance was something that I, uh, really obviously enjoyed. Yeah. Um,
0: So I don't, I mean, like, so here's, thing, Rachel, I need to have you back on the, the podcast, but I love that we unpacked all of this stuff, but I also want to make sure that I can give credit where credit's due and really showcase and kind of highlight some of the things that you're doing because you know, at the end of the day, if we look at your journey from you know the the tomboy slash tom girl in high school, playing sports, getting injured, going to college to do the very thing that helps you recover in high school, to then passing that information on, to then collecting thirty samples of urine every Friday um, <laughs> with this clinical setup. You know, I feel like a lot of times people can glaze over the details, not only in you sharing them but in listening to. I mean, we're we're almost at. We're basically at, you know, a decade... (laughs) of you taking the time (laughs) dedicated to athletic nutrition performance and then tying the nutrition aspect into the synergy that is putting them together. Um, so, you know, I know you're now killing it with keto, right? What are Mm -hmm. you, what have you done now in the keto space? Like fast forward to your book and the programs and all of those things and kind of how did those things come about and, and where are you at now with it?
2: Yeah. So just quickly going. So after the study happened, um, that's kind of what got me into the keto space. I ended up uh, publishing the study and ended up giving a presentation at the NSCA conference, um, the National Strength Association conference. I presented uh, the results and I met Ryan Lowry from. Uh, I'm sure you know Ryan, right?
0: Yes, Doctor no Ryan, Every, yes. Ryan Lowry. Everyone knows Doctor Ryan Lowry.
2: So I met him and he's actually who um, we became really good friends and. Um, that's really where, you know, I was just following, you know, along with his journey and started to get more into it. And then um, I got a job as a nutrition scientist at a supplement company in West Palm beach. Didn't really uh, love what I was doing there. It wasn't really fulfilling to me. I was getting a lot more into like the whole keto world and it was starting to, you know, evolve. Um, And so, yeah, I uh, moved back to Florida and I actually joined another CrossFit gym there. And I was, I was keto then, and I was talking to everybody about it and they were always, everybody was asking me questions. And so I ended up doing a seminar at that CrossFit gym. And that's where my 21 day, uh, keto challenge was born basically, um, out of is that. that. And I
0: feel like I've seen something. Is that, um, is that where like Tito's and Keto's came from?
2: Yeah. Yeah. So I did a keto and Tito's night. Um, I figured, you know, the easiest way to get people out to a nutrition seminar on a Friday night was to, um, collect urine, free collect,
0: alcohol, collect, collect urine. <laughs> (laughs) What are you
2: talking about? Yeah, that was the second, second thought. Um, (laughs) But yeah, so we had, we called it Keto's and Tito's night. And then after I did the the, uh, seminar, people were like, all right, where, where do I start? And so I was like, oh, well, let's do a challenge. And so I ended up putting together this whole 21 day program that has evolved into, um, it's still my online program. So it's something that people can join every Monday. And I um i've been i've added to it and i've added so many different things over the past few years um and it's like basically a different topic you learn every single day um, and you get the whole community aspect of it um and then so that involved and that evolved into writing a book that is um it doesn't really replace the online challenge but it's more of uh looking at more of the, uh, recipes, obviously it's, it's a, it's a book that has over a hundred recipes, but then it also has, um, looking at keto as a, the whole lifestyle and, um, really geared towards if weight loss is your goal, but not just looking at the whole nutrition part of it. Um, but also looking at the, you know, the men, men, mental part of it, um, mindset exercise, um, stress management, sleep, all of those little things that play into um you know getting healthier and losing weight if that is the goal so yeah okay.
0: that's-, that's yeah the, you know you're you're absolutely good Rachel i there's so much i want to unpack for that because i feel like again right like the the devil's in the details and i don't think people realize just how much it takes to do go through that so like coming up with a 21 day program um where people are one interested right so you you're telling me you wanted to get people there and so you did titos and ketos and people came out for the alcohol and i'm thinking to myself now you have to teach a room full of drunk people um, <laughs> why this is going to be beneficial to their performance. And and,
2: so, and CrossFitters who completely asked, like, I it was definitely, so so I just set myself breed. up for. It's a
1: different breed with
2: the yeah. Crossfitters. Yeah. It was so a very saying, interesting I'll,
0: night. Yeah. I'm like, you, you packed the deck on that one. So, so you go through all of this, you, you, you decide to stick to it. I mean, um, your, I, your tenacity to go through all of these different things that you've mentioned to get you to this, this place now, um, you know, even working with the supplement company that had to be, especially with the more and more you've learned and gone through nutrition, working at the supplement company had to be mind numbing. Um, uh, I, I can only imagine. Yeah. But so kind of going through all that stuff and creating this program, what's your heart behind it? Like, why? I mean, li- literally, like, why?
2: So for me, when I've started doing, so I've like, since college, I've always been, you know, into nutrition and like when I got to college, but always... I've been someone who's been, you know, um, kind of on those like yo-yo diet things and all of that. And I was never like super overweight, but I went through a lot of periods of time where I was just like not comfortable with my own body. And so I would try, you know, every diet under the sun. And so I really became, um, obsessed with food and with what I was eating. And when I started even, you know, going through paleo, it was still like that. It got a little bit better with that, but still, um, Not, not as much freedom as I would when I when I started doing keto and started realizing that I wasn't thinking about food every few hours. I wasn't having to spend um, five hours on Sundays meal prepping for the week to make sure that I was eating, you know, my three meal my sorry my meals every three hours and all of that type of thing. And so um, and then just like the mental clarity and that, that those benefits like the mental performance and the recovery too and just all of these different benefits that were kind of adding up. Um, for myself. And then when I saw when I started telling other people about it and started seeing um, their successes, that's what kind of just propelled me to continue doing it and and why I continue um, trying to, you know, help people with it uh, today. So. That's probably my, my why, I guess.
0: No, I mean, listen, that's, that's great. I don't, you know, I feel like, I don't know, we've done 20, we probably have out 22 episodes, but I mean, we've recorded probably closer to 26 or 27 at this point. And, um, you know, as I talk to all these different people that have come in the keto space and then all the people that I've talked to having never recorded a podcast with, I just think it's so, it's so interesting. Um, those that are of like minds, which many of us are, um, You know, we have our own personal story about how keto has impacted us that has just turned into this purposeful passion to help explain and impact those, those others in our lives, whether it be our immediate family or, you know, those beyond to experience this thing that is amazing. It's almost like, I don't know, I envisioned Superman, you know, realizing he could finally fly and then trying to tell other people and show them how they, they could unlock that same power, you know, um, which I think is, it's cool. I think it's awesome. And, and it just goes to show with everything that you've put into getting to this place that, you know, it's, you've walked it, you've done it. And and people need to be able to lean in and and recognize that. I think that's, you know, actions always speak louder than words. We could record for three hours. What if you just listen to the things that you've done in the space thus far and those you've connected with and things that you've put together? I mean, I can tell you right now, I know how it is coaching one-on-one to think about putting together a 21-day challenge for multiple people and presenting it and then having them check in and follow through and go through that stuff. That's it's a lot. Um, you learn a lot about yourself and a lot about a lot of other people that have a lot of different Backgrounds that you know just leads to exponential experience. So kudos for that. Hats off.
2: Thanks. Yeah. Um, for sure.
0: Yeah. I mean, I know you can't toot your own horn, but I'm I'm telling you, like, I <laughs> that that's that's freaking huge. You know what makes me, what makes me wonder, and I'm only going to touch on this briefly because I want to do another episode about it, uh, and I'll probably bring you and Danny on to have this episode to, to have that conversation. But at the end of the day, with people as dedicated to this as you are, right, with the information and feedback you have, why is it? Do you think that there's still so much? This is a super loaded question, by the way, (laughs) Brittany, you can feel free to jump in and cut, cut the ice with this one. But, um, Mm -hmm. why do you think there's still so much misinformation out there? Because clearly there are people that are in this space that have the knowledge and insight. And yet there's still so many people that are so lost.
2: I think it's because there's so, like you said, there's so many different things out there. And, um, like someone could, you know, be listening to a commercial or, you know, listening to a podcast or something, or just come up on Google, like something about, you know, how keto is bad for you, or they listen to Jillian Michaels or something like that. And then completely like changes their mind because they like hear this one thing and they're like, Oh my God, that's what, like, I can't do this. And, you know, it's for me being in this space for as long as I have, I've had those times where I've, you know, stepped back and or I've listened to to a podcast with a quote unquote expert on it saying that keto is going to kill you or something like that. And so I have to step back and, you know, do my own research and dig into it and really see if it's something that is legit or not. And it always comes back to, you know, not being as, as legit as these, you know, quote unquote experts are talking about. But I think, um, I think there is just a lot of misinformation and there's just so many different, um, I guess with all the, you know, the food industry and the sugar industry and all these paid, you know, celebrity, workout people aka Jillian Michaels that's just something that she's just something someone who's coming to my head after all of that stuff that happened last week yeah, um no but worries. yeah so <laughs> so putting out all this all these different um I don't know negative negativity around you know the ketogenic diet and lifestyle and all of that so I think it's just I think education is the key and also just doing your own research like yes you can listen to as many people as you want and say all these different things but But if you really care about it, if you really if it's something that you're really worried about, like you're gonna go out and and find the truth and and try it for yourself. And you know, I'm not saying that uh I never say that keto is for everyone. Like maybe there's some people who just feel better with you know higher carbs and they're healthy like that's fine um, that's not the majority of people I don't think um, but yeah that's kind of just my my take on it
0: I love it I'm you know I'm and Brittany knows this I am uh, to the point where there's absolutely no one that's gonna come to me and tell me they feel better on carbs I always say that if you feel better on carbs it's because you haven't allowed your time your body the proper time to adapt because I mean we all we were all born ketogenically right so if you feel better on carbs that's fine I'm not saying you don't but that doesn't mean that it does doesn't take a rough process to make the change and transition. And you've got to be willing to endure that because you're asking your body to go back to something that it hasn't been in such a long time. You know, it'd be like asking me to ride a skateboard. That's going to be super. I used yeah. to ride a skateboard and it was super comfortable. I loved it. It was great. But there's no way I'm going to hop on a skateboard today and have the same feeling that I would, you know, 20, yeah. 25 years ago. Wow, that's old. Um, so, <laughs>
2: Yeah. And I think, and also just going back to the whole, I just want to touch on the whole CrossFit thing too. Like if you're um, comparing, like we didn't really talk about this, but if you're comparing like a non-elite CrossFitter, which is like 95% of the people going to your average CrossFit gym is not elite. They are your average Joe, average mom, dad, whatever college student, just looking to get a a good workout in. And the majority want to, you know, look good and lose a little bit of body fat um, versus the more elite athletes who, yes, if you're someone someone who's doing CrossFit, you know, seven days a week, two workouts a day, three workouts a day, which some elite CrossFit athletes do, you're probably going to need a little bit more carbs to fuel that high intensity. Um, but that's not your average Joe going to, uh, you know, your CrossFit down the street, you know, three or four days a week, um, doing CrossFit for 30 to 45 minutes, the actual workout time. Um, so yeah, that's just something to put out there and, and really ex- let people, you know, explain that. Cause if you've never done CrossFit before, then you wouldn't realize that. And um, also with those elite CrossFitters, I do say that, you know, during off season is the perfect time to play around with a lower carb keto diet because you can, you know, transition your body and in, into being able to maybe tap into that uh, metabolic flexi- flexibility a little bit, and and lower the carbs, and use it strategically. Um, so
0: I love it. I think that's great. Wait, just real quick though, because I know we talked about your average mom and dad. What do you consider the elite?
2: Um, I would say those who are, you know, going to regionals, going to the CrossFit games, competing, um, you know, in, in CrossFit competitions and working out six, seven days a week, um, you know, one or two workouts a day versus, you know, just someone who's going to be and get a you know, a good sweat on. And like for me, I'm by no means an elite <laughs> CrossFitter at all. Like I'm one of those people who goes to, you know, get a good workout. I scale most of the workouts sometimes, you know, I don't even pick of a barbell some days if i don't feel like it i'll do and that's one thing too like all crossfit gyms you can scale at like there's that's another thing that people are like i've never touched a barbell before there's some people that are in classes that i'm in that don't even touch a barbell like ever they just use a kettlebell or they scale down. And so there's always different, you know, versions and and things that you can, you can do. Um, If you're someone who's thinking about trying CrossFit and you're, you know, intimidated by it, there's the reason I always go back is for that family aspect of it and that community aspect and, and that competition that you can't really get when you're just going to your average gym and, you know, working out. So.
0: Cool. I like it. And for those of you that are listening that don't know what a barbell is, it's a barbell. (laughs) 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 <laughs> it's <Google> it. <laughs>
2: that was a great explanation i've never heard one better
0: thank you thank you i want to make sure i gave him all the details look it up google it <laughs> that's the one thing i'll say google you'll get all the information you need but it's it's you know it's a bar put weights on the end <laughs> go from there there are no there are no actual bells involved <laughs> none none, none at all yes Rachel, where can everybody find you?
2: Um I am killingitketo.com. Um that's my website. There's no G after the killing. Uh, I have oh. to say that cuz a lot of people <laughs> think there is. There's
0: um, no G after the killing cuz you're straight gangster. <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, upper East Upper East Side Gossip Girl. Gangster, exactly. <laughs> um, no, but yeah, KillinAkito.com and KillinAkito on all. Uh, Instagram is probably the most, uh, the platform I'm on the most, but then Facebook, Twitter, all that, all that jazz.
0: Oh, man. I'm still laughing about the killing it. No G Upper East Side Gangsta. (laughs) Gossip Girl. Seriously. I love it. I absolutely love it. Okay, well, um, (laughs) well, thank you so much for taking the time out and sharing all this information um, and your background and for what you're doing within the space of keto. Um, I really think that more people should recognize the time that you and, and many others in this industry have done and what they're continuing to do to drive things home. Uh, Are you still doing your 21 day challenge or program?
2: Yeah. So the 21 day online program um, is still happening. You can sign up every, the challenges start every Monday, so you can just sign up whenever you want. And There's a lot of people don't realize that if you do sign up for the online program, like you'll get access to me for those 21 days. So it's like email support for 21 days versus, um, the book, which is obviously you you won't have access to ask me questions if you, you bought the book, but the book and the challenge kind of go hand in hand. The book is more like the recipes and, um, all that kind of stuff. And then the online challenge breaks it down, um, into a lot more detail throughout, uh, that 21 days.
0: Um, Do you mind sharing the price of that information? I will obviously provide links to the show notes, but do you mind providing just like pricing while we have you just as far as like the breakdown between if they just went and bought the book, if they got the challenge, if they did both um, and how that kind of shakes out just so listeners know.
2: Yeah. So the book, I believe right now on Amazon, the book is uh, discounted to 1425, I think on Amazon. Um, And then if you purchase the book, actually there is a secret discount inside the book to join the online challenge um, for all book owners. Um, So you got to get the book to be able to Get the discount for that, but the the online challenge is currently um, uh, it's on sale right now, still on the New Year sale for seventy nine ninety nine, and again that is um, a higher price because you do get three weeks of access to um, me with all your questions and um, guidance and all of that. So
0: cool. So 14 and change for just a book 79 and that's the book and the challenge.
2: Uh, yeah. Dude,
0: yep. you guys need to, you guys also, need to like if there
1: are big into their Kindles, it's six ninety nine for the book.
0: Just saying, Oh, but, yeah. out there. but does <laughs> it come with the code if you just get it on Kindle? Oh, I don't know about that.
2: Uh, I think there is like an insert in the book. I don't know. My publisher did that. So that's a good question. I should probably know that.
0: It's cool. Listen, guys. <laughs> if you have questions on it, DM me or hit it up Rachel at Killing It Keto um, or or Brittany, and we will link and get it all together and taken care of for you. Um, Rachel, again, thank you so much. We completely appreciate you taking the time out and all that you're doing and the program itself. Um, well, Brittany, for anything else? Me. Hey, listen. No, cool. The only thing I s- I ask of you now, Rachel, is please take some time out to binge Gossip Girl. <laughs> <laughs> all
2: right definitely going to do. I need a new show, so. Well,
0: there you go. Thank you guys so much. Have a great night. The Keto Matrix Podcast, where myths are busted, science is explained, and the keto lifestyle is discussed by industry experts and everyday people alike. For more
2: information and support, go to the ketomatrix.com.